Good morning, Sun Valley Church. Welcome to the Voice of the Valley. It's been too long. Uh, we have been in hiding. I don't know if that's the right words, but we have not been on the podcast. And particularly, Pastor Rick hasn't been on the podcast, and he's here today. When you when you said welcome to the Voice of the Valley, I got tingles. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you did. I won't say it was a spidey sense, but it, like the Peter Tingle. Yeah, but Peter had, Tingle. That's what they call it in Spider-Man. Yeah, you've have you seen those? Well, I've seen like the one. The with, new ones? No, I haven't seen them. So ones. what I said makes no sense to no, you. That's awkward. Yeah, which is par for the course if we are in fact back on Voice of the Valley. But it's it's good to be back. Yeah, I was beginning been... to ask questions in my own heart. About Antony, what did I personally, do? Well, to be banished, I can I can name about ten things. Was that your um, okay? That wasn't count. a Spider-Man. I had a, no, I had to count them. I say, um, math is hard. It's hard, that's, but being here is good. That's why we're pastors. I say that sometimes. I went to Bible college, not math college. <laughs> Unless you count the Bible code. Yeah, the Bible code, which I don't. That was I did not take that elective. <laughs> Yes. And it's and it's on the heels of Easter. It is. And Holy Week, which was it was a good week. Yeah. I think the last podcast we had it was one of our anniversary podcasts. Um a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago. So it's it's been a busy couple months here. It's been thoroughly loaded. Thoroughly, thoroughly busy. We turned twenty. Turned twenty. And Holy Week happened. And we had our twentieth Easter here. Twenty first. Mm. Twenty 20th. Oh man, that's math. That's where that's, where, that's math. <laughs> I'll let you figure that one out. Yes, we just came out of Holy Week, which is a busy week. Uh, it's a fulfilling week. Um, so, how late did you sleep in yesterday or on Monday? Oh gosh, <laughs> not not very. I kind of woke up throughout the night on uh, Sunday night, and then yeah, I've I've been having like. Waking up at three o'clock moments last couple nights. I don't know why. Just waking up at three o'clock. Well, you're aging. Well, that's that might be part of it. But um It's not the kind of resurrection you want to be having. That exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, but uh Good Friday was awesome. I really I really did enjoy this Good Friday with the power going out. It was uh yeah. it wasn't Though I noticed when I because I parked in the back. Uh, and walked in with my kids from the back, yeah. which everyone else parks in the front for the most part. And and I, I was like, oh, the breaker panels flipped. So what, when did you turn it back on? Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I'm getting Charles Vinny vibe, Finney vibes. Yeah. Uh, turn up the heat. Turn the lights off. Turn the lights feel off. Feel the spirit. No, Whatever it, it takes. It was uh, literally as everybody left the power came back on like i was i was going around to locking about to go lock all the doors to leave and the power kicked back on how many lights came on like if you had left and then the power came on how many how much of the church would be lit up all Uh, night long the commons would have been on well sanctuary would have been on um a couple different lights in like the bathroom some hallways and stuff hallways yeah (laughs) so basically the whole the whole church would have been lit up well but it was a good service. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It was a good, 
Really if you had to have one service that went dark, that's the one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it was uh, it was a good Holy Week. But we just came off the heels of Easter Sunday, the resurrection. And we're going to be spending uh, the next 25, 32 hours um, talking about the resurrection and the importance of the historicity. The historicity. That's a good word. That's a good word. I like that word. Yeah. Historicity. What does that mean? What does historicity mean? Uh, well, you have your paper there in front of you with your quotes from I don't 2013. Think, um, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think. The, I don't think. I don't think the word historicity is right there. You mean it's historical? Is that what you mean by that? Well, I'm gonna take like a it stab actually happened. Dark. I'm gonna take a stab in the dark and say that's what that means. So, how do you want to play this, man? Are you uh, still hosting this thing? I am. Okay. Rick, we talked Give me about parameters, man. <laughs> we talked about uh, the eyewitnesses on Sunday. John John brought up the eyewitnesses of the resurrection. He did. He did the, that, and the importance of that. Um, now, there's there's been people throughout history uh, uh, and throughout historicity, yes, historicity, <laughs> <laughs> who have have tried to debunk the uh, the resurrection, and there's. You know, they have all their different viewpoints. Losers. As to why the resurrection right. cannot happen. Um, so why, when, when we're looking at the eyewitnesses of the resurrection, why is why is that so important as it relates to, to, you know, church history, as it relates to how we think and operate today? I mean, why, why are the eyewitnesses so important? Well... The so the eyewitnesses. If there was a resurrection, and which there was, but none of us were there to see it, and most of the people back then, actually all of the people back then weren't there to see it, you know, which is why the women who come to the tomb first are amazed mm-hmm. and shocked because they didn't see it, and it was more than they could have expected or hoped for, even though Jesus was very open with his disciples about what was going to happen. They weren't spiritually able to understand it mm. yet. Um, the Kind of where John went with it on Sunday, which I'm assuming most people who are listening heard the sermon, was that um, if it had been a hoax, right, and Jesus was just a man who was dead, then there were a few different ways that it would have been prudent for people who were against the resurrection to uh, to debunk it. Mm-hmm. One, one, the most obvious would be to actually show his body, mm-hmm. to actually produce it and be like, no, here's your dead guy. Mm-hmm. It, but that didn't happen. Um, the disciples, if they had stolen it, they wouldn't have died to defend that hoax, you know, especially the way that some of them died. Mm-hmm. It was brutal. Um, and so the eyewitnesses really serve to confirm the accounts of the resurrection for us because, and this is where that word historicity, meaning the historical reality of, um, of the resurrection of the life of Christ, as it's given to us in the scriptures becomes so important Mm -hmm. because Paul makes this point in first Corinthians 15, that if, if there is no resurrection, if Christ is not raised from the dead, you are, your faith is futile you're still in your sins, basically you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. If Jesus doesn't rise, you're going to hell. 
And that's really bad news for everybody. Right. But it's it's especially bad news for people who are still going to hell and yet who live the life of self-denial that is consumed with Jesus, a man who is dead, if the resurrection isn't true. And that's kind of the thrust of it in that chapter. He says, you know, we are most to be pitied of all. Because when you like think about Paul and all he suffered, he suffered for a risen Savior, which makes it worth it. And how many Christians, you know, throughout the past 2,000 years have died and suffered and denied themselves and been um, ostracized and lost family and any other number of sacrifices because of Jesus, who, if he's risen, which he is, ultimately it's worth it. You know, right. whoever would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Right. But if you do that, but he's not really alive and you're still in your sins, then you could have been eating and drinking and partying and tomorrow we die. So do whatever you want today because it ultimately doesn't matter. And then, you know, you could just live a an, an existentialist life. There's no meaning, but let's find as much fun as we can on the way right. and invent right. meaning, right. whatever we want that to look like. So that's why the, the eyewitnesses are so important. Because if the New Testament and if the whole Bible can't be trusted, then there's no real way of knowing whether or not this is true. Hmm. And then we're left with guesswork. Hmm. And it's like there's a lot at stake there either way. Because you're either all in with Christ or you're not with Christ. Yeah. There is no halfway. So before you make that life-altering decision to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him, which is to say, follow him in repentant faith, even at the cost of death. Is there a way that you could, I mean, it all has to come by faith because like Peter says, we've not seen him. Though you, in a, I think it was Peter, though you do not see him, you love him. Was it Peter or John? I'm totally blanking. One of those guys. See? I got you wondering. Yeah, you do. And then, and then you got to do math because you're like, well, which one? One, two, or three, John, or one or two, Peter? <laughs> but Paul says um, in 1 Corinthians 15, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Right. So there we go. That's the, the crux of the gospel. Christ's perfect life, his atoning death, his physical, glorious resurrection, showing that he actually paid the penalty of sin. Um, okay, now come the appearances, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, mm-hmm. and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Paul's point there is that, listen, Corinthians, if you have doubts about this, you can actually just go and Ask the people who saw him, because most of them, the hundreds, like they're still around. This is what is called uh, what is called an incidental detail. It's an incidental detail, like it's not essential to the point of what's being written, but it's exactly the kind of thing you see mm-hmm. in historical records that show that something is true, mm-hmm. and. If we, if we want anything out of our Bible, we want truth. And if we want anything out of our true Bible, we want an inherently true Bible. We want it, we want it to be 
reliable down to the details, to the minutia. Mm. Which is why if the resurrection isn't true, and if these records are, you know, you know, a lot of people think that um, that the Bible's true, but it, but that doesn't mean the stories are. They say that the stories are made up because there's no miracles, you know. But if um, but the stories are still true, right? The, you know, maybe like the way that Star Star Wars isn't real, but it's in, but courage is true. Mm-hmm. Fighting for something good is true, and so Star Wars is a true story, even though it's not actually true. Yeah, you know, that's the kind of thing that someone would say about you know the the, the Bible stories. Right. Jonah, right. it contains a truth, but he didn't actually get swallowed by a fish. Right. And that's exactly the kind of thing that the accounts of the resurrection make impossible. Like either Jesus physically rose and the things happened like it says, like all the accounts say, or this is not true. Right. Right. You're you're going to hell. <laughs> There's no Christian faith. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's interesting to think when it comes to the book of 1 Corinthians that this was this was probably an earlier book that was written in the New Testament canon. Right. And so these guys were actually still around. They knew who Cephas was because there was a division in the church because of not because of Cephas, but you know, they there was divisions of Cephas and Barnabas and you know, and Paul and and whatnot. But these these guys are around. And so it's like you have the opportunity to go ask them did you see the living Jesus? You know, like yeah, that that incidental thing that we would glance over. Well, contextually, we understand that that's that's actually relatively close to the resurrection. It's not something that's two hundred, three hundred, four hundred years removed from it. Yeah, and there are details like you know, police interviewers. There are things they look for to to kind of cl- tip them off to to when they're interviewing a suspect. You know, is this fabricated or are there the hallmarks of a true story here? Mm-hmm. And when you get some of those incidental details, like you can even ask your kids, like if you got two kids and you ask them how, your, how their day was and one of them's like, yeah, I had a good day. Well, what's the best thing that happened to you today? Oh, well, so-and-so said something nice to me. Well, what'd they say? Oh, she told me, you know, that my blonde hair, blonde is her favorite color. She really likes my blonde hair and... Um, you know, things like that. And then another kid's like, they just give general generalities. Oh, I had a good day. Someone said something nice. Well, what would they say? I don't know. Yeah. Well, you can't really know whether or not <coughs> someone said something nice. They might just be saying it yeah. to say it. Well, we have these details, things that you wouldn't put into the story if you were making it up because they don't play well. Things like the women were the first at the tomb. Mm-hmm. Jesus appeared first to the women. Mm-hmm. And anyone today would be like, well, what's the big deal? How does that, what does that have to do with anything? Women see things first a lot. It's like, yeah, but that wasn't a score. That wasn't a point in your favor back then. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't, you didn't want the women to be the first to see this like life altering reality. Right. Because women, that wasn't a position of honor that they held. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly how God played it out in real time. And so when you have details like that, those are they call again they call them incidental they're not central to the story but they have a ring of how true stories go and 
like all the the screw-ups of the apostles along the way, including their unbelief mm-hmm. of the story of the women, Peter's denials before the crucifixion, things that if you're trying to build um, a false religion, you don't take the heroes and founders of, of that religion and then highlight all their flaws, right? which is exactly what the gospel writers do. Right. Um, things like that. Right. John not using his own name, the the disciple whom Jesus loved. This is really cool stuff. Yeah. And then when you harmonize it all together, you get a really you get a clear picture of what actually happened, because that's another um, point at which um, detractors of the resurrection try to attack the scriptures is they try to say to show the so-called conflicting accounts of the resurrection appearances. Mm-hmm. So, well, this you know John's at odds with Mark. Matthew has a different order of events. Right. See? It didn't happen that way. Right. They couldn't even keep their story straight. Which, for us, as people who hold that the Bible was inspired by God, who cannot lie, that doesn't pose a problem at all. Because what do you, you know, what do you tell the students when you're talking about how to handle (coughs) seeming inconsistencies in a record? What do I tell them? I don't know. Maybe you don't tell them anything because maybe they haven't asked. But <laughs> what would you tell them? Well, I, I mean, when we're looking at these things that just don't seem to line up, especially among the Gospels, we need to understand, first of all, that the Gospels are being written to different audiences with different purposes. Different purposes. Yeah. yeah from different perspectives. Yeah. Right. Perspectives which are all true. Right. Right? Because the inconsistencies aren't like, they don't, you know, it's not like saying... That wall was black and that wall was white. I mean, look at the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain. Mm-hmm. Luke and Matthew, um, they recount the same sermon. Right. I believe. I mean, there is debate about that, but I, I did some research about that back at, um, back at school and made it my final. You know, my final paper was an exploration of the similarities and differences between the two, and I believe they're the same sermon, but. Matthew places it on a mount, and Luke places it on a plane. Well, that's not a problem. This is called harmonizing. It's called harmonizing. Mm-hmm. You know, the the mounts, the mountains around the Sea of Galilee aren't like Mount Adams. They're not walking up. Where like you're not finding a plane up Mount Adams, right? But the hills of Galilee were exactly that kind of a thing. Right. And so Jesus went up on a mountain, and there was a plane, and the people were. You know, you can do that kind of thing. And when it comes to the resurrection, um, you put those details together, and you can actually form it out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's. It's fascinating to see how the the different approaches that the authors take uh, in order to to draw out their purpose for writing the book. Right, like yeah. like the book of John. John's whole purpose is to drive home that Jesus is God. And he does that in different ways that Matthew, Mark, or Luke don't necessarily do. Um, yeah, it, it makes it, it makes the gospel more alive, not less congruent. Yeah. It actually makes it more alive. Right. Um, because we're now, we're now experiencing what the author is feeling and thinking along as this, as the spirit's moving. Yeah. That's the dual authorship of scripture. And it's really amazing because that's part of how we have to interpret it. 
is we have to ask what's the feel of this text yeah what is being portrayed and what's what is the author aiming at in our souls yeah so we have all the the resurrection has all the hallmarks of historical fact and really i don't i don't really know of many people today who are actually trying to deny it um because even those who maintain that Jesus Christ is not God, he's just a man who was a good man who died, you know, there's too many proofs in favor of the resurrection to make it really academically defensible mm-hmm. that it didn't happen mm-hmm. um, or that Jesus was a historical man. I mean, just so that's oftentimes where the battle's not being fought. It's more like, I remember going down to, um, Planned Parenthood and preaching um, and trying to dissuade women from going in mm-hmm. and murdering their children. And I I used to think that the, that the debate was your, you know, your fetus is a, ch- is a human being. Actually found out pretty quickly that's not where the conversation is anymore. The, the other side freely admits it's a human being. The question, actually, it's more... Um, it's more dire. It's so what? Mm. And a lot of people, that's where we are with Christ. Okay. Jesus rose from the dead. So what? Mm-hmm. And it just does like, you're just like, hold on. Could we just get back to the fact Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. People don't do that. Yeah. So, and that's where we are today, yeah. our culture. And that's actually a more difficult place to be than establishing the fact of the resurrection. It's important to establish the fact of the resurrection. We need an inerrant Bible, but right now the current, you know, the current generation is not um, so concerned with what's factually true. Right. Right. So, so what does that, what does that mean for us who, um, believe in the the authenticity and the importance of the resurrection to a generation or even a society at large that is apathetic towards that you know so what jesus jesus rose from the grave so what yeah one of the things that rc Sproul <laughs> said um that are that has just stuck with me and i think it was at a ligonier conference that you and i were at um because he was talking about um you know, Jehovah's Witnesses who come by the door. And he said, you can debate with them about the inerrancy of the Bible or, or the translation issues and all that stuff. But that's really not what the ultimate issue is. And one of the questions that he would ask that sticks with me is, um, what do you do with your guilt? And, and this is something we see in counseling a lot. Um, people know what, and will accept the facts of what is true mm-hmm. living in harmony with those facts is an entirely different problem. I just told our Sunday seminar folks, um, a couple, a few days ago, if you never learned another thing about the Bible, you would, you would be in over your head for the rest of your life, simply to catch up in your life with what you already know. Hmm. That's not why we do Sunday seminars. We don't do Sunday seminars just to know stuff. Um, we do it to know God and knowing God is about being changed. 
And look at what's happening right now. We have, because what's, the so the battle being fought <laughs> back when I was in counseling school, the thing that used to get me into hot water, like on numerous occasions, is it was around the issue of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't counsel homosexual couples because there was no redemptive, even possible, there was no possibility of even redemptive trajectory there. Like you're not going to make your gay relationship better. And should I use a different word? I see you're processing that. Your homosexual relationship, your gay marriage, whatever you want to call it, your gay mirage, and and communicate better. And somehow then go, okay, now this is glorifying to God. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on across the no, table right nothing. now. I said gay. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It was at one of our oh, list of words you don't say on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Take a moment. There was an issue that is everywhere on the news today, everywhere talked about today that actually didn't exist back then. What? Right. What is it? Today? Yeah. Like today, like, currently? Yeah, currently. That just 15 years ago oh, wasn't even in oh, the therapy tra- room. Transgenderism? That wasn't even a thing. Yeah, okay. Dude, now it's everything. Now it's everything. Right. But the one thing that's not... Um, that hasn't changed is reality. Men still can't be women, no matter what surgeries they get. Women can't be men. Boys can't be girls, and girls can't be boys. Mm-hmm. Okay, those facts, the situation as it stands in reality has not changed. However loud a movement has become, and however violent. And what are we seeing? We're starting to see the aftermath of that fiction being played out. And now people who still are men that look like women and women who are still, who, you know, who look like men having to deal with the lifelong effects of what they, uh, of action they took based on fiction. Mm -hmm. And it's life shattering. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let's bring that back to the resurrection and to the truth of scripture. Jesus is risen. That's the fact. We are sinners who are guilty in the sight of a God who will judge sin. That's a fact. Okay, like it's so innately part of us and just being human that um, we have to suppress the knowledge in order to get away from it, which is what Romans 1 says. So I would say that um, how do we take the truth of what we're convinced of and engage a generation that doesn't care? I would say love them well. Do not compromise. Continue to preach the gospel and do it to the heart. Do it to the heart. Mm -hmm. Because every single person who doesn't care that Jesus rose from the dead still has guilt. They still have the hard facts of reality to deal with. And the way that they're dealing with them doesn't ultimately work. Right. Which means that, you know, on, you know, and, and as we see, the um, you know as we've seen over the past few years, a government that has been willing to expand its reaches into spheres of life that it has no business in, and then dropping you know we've seen social media censorship mm-hmm. again out of you know against what is true. That can only go so far. Like so, our culture here is going to dry up and collapse. The 
Western civilization is going to collapse mm-hmm. as we know it because right. it's unsustainable. You can't sustain a nation uh, and a culture based on women can be men and men can have babies. Right. Like you can't do that. Right. And when it comes crashing down, it's going to be awfully important that there's a resurrection that happened, right. a savior who's returning and grace that is freely offered. And how are they to know that unless there's a preacher? And how are we to preach unless we're sent? Right? So that's what we do. Keep holding the truth. Train up the child, our children, because likely it's going to be our kids who have to do that, and our grandkids. Mm-hmm. Um, and love well. Love well. Because the normal Christian life is the answer to societal collapse. Yeah. The, the, the bedrock truths that can't collapse with the culture are there when the rubble yeah. is shown for what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that, that brings us back to the point that Paul Paul's driving home in 1 Corinthians 15 is we're, we're foolish if Jesus didn't rise from the grave. But you turn that on its head, the world is foolish because they don't believe that Jesus rose from the grave. Yep. And it leads to, as you're describing, that societal collapse. Yeah. Eat, drink, be married, do all this stuff, and and it leads to ruin. Yeah. Spiritually. Because the first commandment ruin. of this culture is do what feels good to right. you. Right. Do it do you do you. Yeah. Is what it is, right? But the resurrection, one of the proofs of the resurrection is the new life that believers have. Because, and this is another point Paul makes in 1 Corinthians, I think it's um, it's all chapter 15. I mean, that's the big resurrection powerhouse, um, besides the gospel's accounts of the resurrection. Verse 20, um, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. Verse 23 talks about the resurrection order, each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Um, verses 42 through 44. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. Now, in, that's speaking of the future physical re- resurrection that we have to look mm-hmm. forward to. Mm-hmm. Christ is raised, so will we. As he was raised, so will we be raised. But Ephesians 2, Paul makes another point about resurrection, is that Christ is alive and reigning, Ephesians 1, um, the head of the church, we who once were dead in trespasses and sins have been made alive with him. So we actually experience two resurrections here. We, we are spiritually raised from the dead, which is what conversion is, mm-hmm. and regeneration. Dead, dead, death brought from spiritual death to life. Um, but then, yes, and then a future physical resurrection because of that. But we don't start being the new humanity when we get resurrection bodies. Paul, Paul says now, 2 Corinthians 5.21 right. um, or 5.17, that you are a new creation. Like the new creation has begun. Right. And the fact that we are not who we were apart from Christ and that Christians are the kind of people they are and are called to be and are growing in being, that's all proof that there's a living Savior mm-hmm. because transformation happens. Yeah. And it doesn't just happen because we believed a nice story that wasn't true. And so that's another apologetic for um, for um, 
for our relationships with unbelievers. Yeah. Yeah. The resurrection changes everything. Yeah. yeah. I spend a lot of time with believers, which as a pastor, that's a good thing, right? Um, sometimes when I'm interacting with unbelieving friends and my kids are coming home after playing with kids in the neighborhood and they say, hey, this and this happened or so-and-so did this, sometimes I'm actually like surprised. I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, yeah. And so the conversation we have with our kids, not infrequently, is what do you expect unbelievers to act like? Mm-hmm. Do you expect them to act like they know Jesus? And then, and then once in a while, it gets painful, and then a kid will go, I'm not going out. I'm not playing with so-and-so anymore. And I'm like, okay, question. Like, I get that. I understand. I, I would feel the same way. Do they know Jesus? No. Okay. Do you expect them to act like they know Jesus? No. Okay. So you got hurt by someone who doesn't know Jesus and acted like it. Who's going to tell them about Jesus if you don't? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then they go out and they have a good time and, you know, things go, get better from there. Yeah. But that's the kind of, I forget sometimes that the world acts the way the world does. Yeah. But it's actually not surprising. Yeah. And the encouraging thing is that Christians, for all the <laughs> all the sinfulness that we have, and I think we're really well aware of it, and it's discouraging a lot of times, but the encouraging thing is that Christ actually has made us new, and we actually aren't like the world. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love this time of year. I love being reminded of that, even though every Sunday is is a retelling of the resurrection of Christ. Yeah. Um, I like the the intentionality that we we do to to remember that. And Sunday was was really good hearing that, and today hearing hearing these truths again, I'm just being reminded of the importance of the resurrection. Um, these are things that we have to constantly keep in front of us remind ourselves of thing on yeah yeah well thanks rick i'm glad i'm off the blacklist <laughs> well yeah you want to do this again sometime yeah we'll see <laughs> <laughs> oh we got you know three views for the first time since we did those 20th anniversary podcasts <laughs> let's definitely do this again yeah we'll, it's ch- worth we'll the check time. the listens <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Church, we love you. Uh, we're we're so glad that we we're able to worship with you, uh, minister to you in this way. Um, we look forward to being with you on Sunday, and Lord willing, Lord willing, we'll be back next week on the podcast. Me too. Yeah. We'll see. Have a great day.